MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. Today, Flynn calls for martial law days after receiving his pardon from the outgoing president. Sources tell CNN to expect a series of pardons as we learn Trump has discussed pardons for his three large children, Kushner and Rudy Giuliani. Most of the Paycheck Protection Program money went to large businesses. We'll talk about that. Biden plans to keep Christopher Wray on as FBI director, provided he's not fired between now and then. And a deep dive into the bribery pardon scheme unsealed yesterday by Judge Beryl Howell. I'm your host, A.G. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Oh, my. We have a big show today. We have breaking news just coming across my desk. Like I said, I know, like like I have paper here. It's just <laughs> someone just handed me this. Do, 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 do. Um, but uh, uh, big news about Ivanka Trump. And this is really I'm like Jordan. If you're out there listening, this is your day. So. Here's what's uh here's what's going on. And and you know, let's just because there's so much here in this lead story and you have some incredible reporting too. Let's just go into it. Let's just hit the hot notes. I'm in. Hot notes. Uh Dana, you are going to die. Okay. Oh, I can't wait. This is like <laughs> podcast porn. Start it. <laughs> so first of all, Mike Flynn today uh, Wednesday shared a message encouraging President Trump to temporarily suspend the Constitution, impose martial law, and silence the destructive media. Okay. This is... <laughs> Hasn't he really just sort of suspended the Constitution for the last four years? Like, this is yeah, more but... than a temporary suspension under this administration. <laughs> All right. It's so true. Uh, now, Brad Heath at Reuters has written, quote, the statement cheers Lincoln for trying to arrest a Supreme Court justice who disagreed with him, which many historians say never happened. And it says violence by Antifa and Black Lives Matter, including haranguing people as they eat, means we are literally under attack from within. Now, I've been expecting this. You know, he's taken the QAnon oath and there's been this whole sort of cabal to have this three percenter uprising after the election. Well, here he's announcing it. This comes on the heels of a recent pardon of Flynn by Trump. You know, the Department of Justice filed that motion we went over yesterday to dismiss Flynn's case, which is still active. And Judge Sullivan has not yet dismissed the case. Maybe wait to commit treason and sedition. (laughs) Until after the case is dismissed. I had posited that Sullivan would likely dismiss the case based on the sweeping pardon, but might have something to say about the case on the way out. Like, you know, he might write a 20, 30 page thing saying, here's why this sucks, but he dismisses because the pardon power is, is, is total. Now Sullivan has this sedition. And let's be honest, that's what it is. He has to consider this as well before he dismisses the case. Sullivan's response should be interesting considering he had asked during Flynn's first sentencing hearing, he had a couple, he had asked whether the prosecution had considered treason charges. So he's not he's not tight lipped about this stuff. He's not a quiet person. And it's also of note that this call for a coup, which could be a crime, came after the pardon. So that's a crime. Uh, that wouldn't be covered by the pardon because you can't pardon future crimes. So what a tool. I just imagine like every week, like Trump being like, okay, now I pardon Flynn. Like, I know. 
Okay, not yet. Hold on. Wait for it. Wait for it. It's like the quiet game with toddlers. Okay, it starts now. Okay, okay, now. You know, it just keeps happening over and over again. Oh, my uh, God. And additionally, sources are telling CNN to expect a flurry of pardons, answering the question, what is the collective noun for a group of pardons called? It's a flurry. Uh, if you've been listening to this show, then this will come as no surprise because we've been talking about pardon palooza for a while now. But nothing can quite prepare you for the corruption until it actually happens. And this also comes after the New York Times released a story that Trump is currently considering pardons for Ivanka, Jared, Rudy, Eric, and Don Jr., you know, just in case. Uh, while we understand that innocent people don't need pardons, Trump is spinning this as uh, a response to the threat of a runaway deep state prosecutor who could come after them. Now, all of that already being said, and this all has gone down in the last 24 hours, just coming across my desk right now, breaking news about Ivanka Trump out of D.C. Ivanka Trump uh, sat for a deposition Tuesday with investigators from the Washington, D.C. Attorney General's office as part of a lawsuit alleging misuse of inaugural funds, gross misuse. And this is according to a new court filing. In January, the D.C. Attorney's General Office sued the Trump Organization and the Presidential Inaugural Committee, alleging they abused more than a million dollars raised by the nonprofit by grossly overpaying for use of event space at the Trump Hotel in Washington for the, for, you know, for the 2017 inauguration. Deposition of witnesses as part of the lawsuit have been underway over the past several weeks. Tom Barrick, chairman of the inaugural committee, was also deposed. He was deposed November 17th. That's according to the court filing. The attorney general's office has also subpoenaed records from Barack or uh, Barrick, Ivanka, and First Lady Melania Trump, and Rick Gates, the former inaugural committee deputy chairman. According to the lawsuit, Gates personally managed discussions with the Trump Hotel about the event space, and we kind of saw this coming. So that's the fucking crazy pardon palooza coup sedition treason. Uh, Ivanka inaugural committee Tom Barrick back on your fantasy indictment league news for today I love it listen if we're not going to get Coachella we better get pardon palooza that's all I have to say mm. yeah uh, though however uh, this there's still coronavirus news um, this is actually more about the emergency funds that are a, been a problem basically the story comes from the Washington Post so more than half of the money and this is, we didn't know this before. We thought the number was different. More than half of the money from the Treasury Department's Coronavirus Emergency Fund for small businesses went to just 5%. 5% of the recipients, according to data on more than 5 million loans. That was released by the government Tuesday evening in response to a Freedom of Information Act request and lawsuit. Now, according to this data on the government's Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP, uh, about 600 of the largest companies, um, including dozens of national chains, they received the maximum amount under the program, $10 million. Hmm. 600 mostly large companies got $10 million. Now, officials from the Treasury Department and the Small Business Administration, the SBA, have argued the program primarily benefited smaller businesses because of a vast majority of the loans, and they're saying that was about 87%, were for less than $150,000. Well, that was as of August. However, the new data shows more than half, 
half of the 522 billion in the same time frame went to bigger businesses and only 28% of the money was actually distributed in amounts less than 150,000. Um, you know, it's funny because you've got Pelosi talking about why isn't Mitch McConnell, uh, doing anything? <laughs> well, because his wife, his millionaire wife already got her PPP help. So really what else does he have to do for the American people? <laughs> <laughs> it infuriates me. Um, additionally, uh, in the story, there's a blanket approval allowed, uh, allowed Congress officials and their families. And this is where I'm talking about Mitch. There is a blanket approval allowing Congress officials and their families to receive PPP funds without a required conflict of interest review. That's huge. Several mm -hmm. members of Congress, <clears throat> Mitch McConnell, including some who helped shape the program's mm -hmm. rules benefited from funds according to news reports and financial reports. So if you are a small business out there listening to this and you were somehow turned down for PPP, you have every right to be angry with this administration because we're seeing exactly where this money went to. And we knew it. It was mm -hmm. helping a lot of Trump's buddies. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, and there's even further reporting going into how many of the companies that benefited from the Paycheck Protection Program are actually Trump or Kushner companies. Hmm. Um. Uh, also in the news, President-elect Joe Biden intends to keep FBI Director Christopher Wray in place if he's still on board during the start of his administration. That's according to New York Times on Wednesday. But President Trump has publicly and privately discussed firing Wray. Uh, before the election, Trump told advisors he planned on firing Wray if he won a second term. Several news outlets reported in October that, you know, that that's what was going to happen. It's unclear whether Trump still wants to push Ray out, but it seems to view the FBI as insufficiently loyal, baselessly implying, uh, uh, suggesting the, uh, the agency may have helped rig the election recently against him in an interview on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, the DOJ and the FBI are against Trump. Trump administration has ousted <laughs> at least a dozen other high-level officials, as we know, since losing the election. We've gone over all of them, most notably Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. And, you know, we've kind of talked about this, too, about how the FBI Agents Association actually wrote pen letters to Biden and Trump saying, keep him on, please, will you just keep him on? Yeah. So Biden has decided to keep him if he's still there. It doesn't say if Trump fires him, if he'll rehire him or just put another person in charge of the FBI. That'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, so I just want to thank AG for this next story. And the reason it wasn't a teaser in the top of the show is because if we tell you there's a news article about a 20, uh, a 30 person orgy, you're not going to listen to the rest of the news. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, AG, for this. Uh, all right. A 29 year old doctoral student who hosted a Brussels orgy made headlines around the world. And this is why. It led to the resignation of Hungary's prominent anti-LGBTQ politician, Joseph, I would say, Zahir. You're going to help me with this name. What would you say? Zahir? Spell it for me. S-Z-A-J-E-R. Zahir. Joseph Zahir. We're going to call him Joseph Shajer. So this is an anti-LGBTQ politician in Hungary. Um, now, the reason this is so funny is that uh, he tried to escape through a window onto the roof when the police busted through the door. Um, of course, the host insisted that he had followed all necessary safety precautions. So the story goes on. This guy named David Menzeli said that he had only invited 10 male guests to the party and he had nurses there to administer rapid COVID-19 tests at the door. So this was a safety precaution. Now this is, Angie, this is one of my favorite parts. Uh, Sajir was actually not even invited to this orgy. He went with a friend. So this is an anti-LGBT politician in Hungary that chose 
to just buddy up with someone to go to this party. Um, and the host said, I always invite my few friends to the party, uh, who turn and who in turn brings some friends along and then we make it fun together. He continues to say, <laughs> we talk a little, we have a drink, just like in a cafe. The only difference is that meantime, we're also having sex with each other. I don't see what's wrong with it. He that. was not invited. He wasn't invited to the party but and thought this you, would be. You're not allowed. You're uninvited. <laughs> An unfortunate slight. Oh, God. Oh, my God. He was not invited. Fuck Squatch was not invited. Not not invited. So they talk Uh. about where this room was set up. Apparently, it's like covered in Halloween decorations. But then it goes on to say that there's also pink hearts, overstuffed sofas along the walls, and mattresses strown across the apartment. (gasps) This entire thing sounds like a black light nightmare to me. Like, I'm not going to the party. I'm not sitting on a couch. <laughs> it just I can't get over how much this is is the it reminds me of the Pat Oswalt fuck squatch story where he was out looking for houses with his wife. Oh my it gets and- better. it actually gets better. <laughs> Okay, keep going, keep going. So, Sajir, he's, so um, this politician, Sajir, doesn't have identification on him, AG. So at that point, that's when he tried to escape the party through an open window. Onto the roof, but he was stopped by police, who then took him to his apartment to confirm his identity and diplomatic status as a member of the European Parliament. <laughs> Parliament. <laughs> so this is what's so infuriating to me, just to have a serious note. I'm so tired of these fucking closeted politicians creating parties, creating organizations, passing legislation, hurting the, the, the one community that they refuse to acknowledge they're a part of. Look, I don't give a shit if Lindsey Graham is gay. I don't give a shit if Mike Pence is gay. I do give a shit if they're both gay and they have the power to create legislation that is hurting the communities mm-hmm. that they may or may not belong. That's my issue. Or Falwell Jr. I, you exactly. Know, I don't give a shit if you and the, the pool boy and your wife are doing some stuff. Fuck yeah. yeah high five. Yep. I also don't give a shit if Melania Trump posed nude and was in porn. Hell nope. yeah, I support sex work. It's just you don't be a cunt. <laughs> yeah, like, such a good, such a good appropriate word. I can't think of a different word, and I'm sorry for everyone whose whose children are listening. <laughs> oh God, if if their children are listening, I think by now they're used to your language, AG. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But that's a pretty strong one. Oh, um, it's a good one. We don't say it enough. Um, so. This this Hungarian politician, he this was obviously forced him to quit. So he quit as a member of the European Parliament on Sunday before the news of his escape emerged. It's really hard to keep a straight face. On Wednesday, he also resigned from Viktor Orban's ruling um, Fidesz party. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. Which is a renowned, it's it's basically known for his anti-LGBTQ stance. So uh, Zajir, who helped found the party, has been one of the lawmakers who drew up legislation in Hungary, explicitly stating that marriage should be between a man and a woman, but apparently sex should be between him and 29 other men. <laughs> other men. <laughs> so <laughs> questions, questions have been raised. About whether he or other guests uh, tried to hide their identity. This is my favorite line. Hide to their identity using diplomatic immunity. But the host said it was, simp- it was just simply a case of not having the information at hand. And I quote, how could we have handed over our ID so quickly when we weren't wearing underpants? <laughs> More like diplomatic immunity, am I right? Oh, oh. <laughs> she'll be here all week, everyone. Try the veal. Actually, don't try service. the veal. Yep. 
eat something vegetarian. Um, this is just, it's, it's just, I mean, this never would have gone national. Because I guess this guy has these parties all the time. And basically, they all got fined 250 pounds because they broke the COVID requirement. Like the COVID. Oh. That's why they got in trouble. <laughs> but they had a nurse. They had a nurse giving rapid COVID tests. Not STD tests or anything. Just rapid COVID yeah. tests. Yeah. Just make sure that you don't have that one. That one. Everybody, do yourself a favor. Google Patton Oswalt fuck squatch and just enjoy because that's basically what happened here except except fuck squatch in, in Patton Oswalt's story wasn't a member of the European Parliament trying to <laughs> outlaw orgies <laughs> oh. oh my gosh okay thank you for that I needed no, thank that you. thank um, you thank you AG <laughs> hey that story popped up and I'm like I gotta give this one to Dana oh yeah uh, uh, finally, I've got some ideas about whose names are appearing behind the redaction bars in yesterday's bribery pardon scheme unsealed by Judge Beryl Howell. And, and so does Andrew Torres of the Opening Arguments podcast. And I'll be speaking with him about the specifics next. Just stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for The Daily Beans. Today's episode is brought to you by Echelon. It's this amazing company providing the best in connected fitness, and it's at an affordable price because that's really big right now. After quarantining indoors endlessly after the gym's shutting down, I was really craving those kind of workouts, and I get restless and antsy, and my mental health kind of suffers because of it. So the best remedy is exercising, and that is why Echelon is so awesome because the people at Echelon pride themselves on being able to help you achieve your goals. Their service is amazing. One Echelon membership gets you uh, like five household members can join for the for one for the price of one and i love the huge variety of equipment uh, and programs they offer echelon has connected bikes that give you that immersive studio experience they have smart rowers that take you down waterways around the world and they have the reflect smart mirrors for personal training at the touch of a button which is so convenient and there's just one app to connect them all echelon united provides access uh, to all content throughout echelon's products and they have thousands of on-demand classes available they have 30 or more accredited world-class trainers they have celebrity guest pop-ins um, to, to lead workouts too and you can work out with the Echelon community you can inspire each other have a little friendly competition and Echelon has been featured everywhere Women's Health Cosmo Time People The Wall Street Journal says Echelon has cracked the code and of course Yahoo Finance says Echelon is where fitness and technology unite at a price you can afford so if you want to turn things around and get in the best shape of your life do it check out echelonfit.com today all right, everybody, welcome back. I told you it was going to be Pardon Palooza. And joining me today to discuss this the language of this memorandum for a bribery for pardon scheme <laughs> uncovered uh, by uh, the FBI and the Department of Justice as released by Judge Beryl Howell in the D.C. District is the co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast and real-life lawyer, Andrew Torres. Hi, Andrew. Hi, A.G. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no problem. So I I went over this crazy breaking news yesterday on the show for a bit, and I promised I'd come back tomorrow and get in the weeds a little bit, and that's why I have my favorite real-life lawyer here to help me get <laughs> in the weeds, because you're very good at weeds. <laughs> Thanks, I think. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> <laughs> um, so look, I think it is, I think it's important preliminarily to talk about sort of how little we know and how strange this is, right? So what we have is a document that's been released because this case is, um, it's 20-35, but it's on the grand jury docket, right? And grand jury proceedings are sealed. 
right? So I usually, like as a lawyer, like the first thing I do is go log into Pacer and get all the documents and, you know, share them with you where they're not otherwise made public. But, you know, that's how we got, for example, uh, the the text of uh, uh, Trump's pardon of Michael Flynn before anybody else had it, right? Because having filed the amicus brief in that case, I get a little notice and it popped up, you know, as soon as Sidney Powell filed her motion to dismiss. So I can't access this docket. Nobody can access this docket other than the parties that are the subject of the grand jury uh, indictment that's come out uh, and uh, the, the, the DOJ lawyers who are pursuing this investigation. So that's kind of point one. Point two is, what we do not have here is an indictment. <laughs> what we have is a motion that was granted three months ago uh, for, that allows the government to review certain correspondence in connection with the grand jury proceedings. And the correspondence that there, and so, you know, you, you might be thinking, and again, uh, your listeners know this well from. Uh, the the excellent work you did back when Michael Cohen's office was raided. April uh, April 2018. I remember because I was visiting the Pentagon <laughs> that day when the news came across my my phone. <laughs> I was inside the Pentagon when I got the news uh, that that Cohen's offices and and uh, hotel room because his house was being remodeled mm-hmm. had been raided. Yeah, um, and and look like. Attorney-client privilege, super-duper important to me as an attorney with clients, right? Um, But there are two really important exceptions to attorney-client privilege. There's the one that covered or failed to – there's the one that applied in the instance of Michael Cohen, uh, which is called the crime-fraud exemption, right? Which is um, you can seek legal advice from your lawyer – but if the legal advice you're seeking is how to commit a crime, that is no longer privileged, right? Um, and there are good reasons for that. Um, and and the other exception, the one that comes into play in this case, uh, is a third party exception. It's really really basic, right? So so here's the thing, AJ, you engage me, um, you know, to uh, you know for totally legitimate purposes, you want to file a lawsuit against somebody. We meet uh, in my office or over the phone, and um, and that's totally fine. That conversation, uh, so long as you are seeking legal advice and not committing is covered a crime, by, and not committing a crime <laughs> is covered by attorney-client privilege. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I can bring on um, my assistant. I can bring on a paralegal. I can bring on an associate. Right? Doesn't even have to be a lawyer as long as they're an agent for me. That's the that language. Keeps the privilege. That's the key language. Yeah. Acting as an agent for the attorney. Right. Uh, and similarly on on your side, right? Like if it's an agent for you, if it's somebody acting on your behalf, um, then that maintains the privilege on your end. But the minute if we're at a baseball game. Right. And there's somebody sitting next to us and I start talking to, I mean, you know, in, in, in the good old days, back when people went to sporting events in public, um, you can tell how long I've been using these examples, but, (laughs) but right. Like we're, we're out in public, uh, and there's somebody there, um, who's a third party. If we start talking about your case, um, that invalidates the privilege that breaks the privilege because there's a third party in the room. Right. And, 
And I think in this particular case, what happened was these emails, these uh, were forwarded to a third party who is not an agent uh, of the legal team of either party and is just considered a third party non-lawyer and therefore waves it for, from what I can tell through the, through all the redactions. They say <laughs> this person's not an agent of the lawyer, isn't on the defense team. Uh, and uh, therefore is a third party, and therefore your client attorney privilege is waived. So you can put at the bottom of your email, and they, I think they retroactively, from my understanding, changed the subject line of emails to say this is covered by attorney-client privilege. You can say that all day, but the minute you <laughs> release that information to a third party, you are uh, effectively waiving your right to attorney-client privilege to, to claim that as a reason for this stuff to not be entered into evidence, right? Yes, Yes. So, 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 so two things. So first, let me, let me just say that is exactly right. Like that's footnote eight, where they renamed the documents to add in, uh, you know, that these were attorney client privilege and you are a hundred percent correct. It's one of the first things you learn as a baby lawyer doing these kinds of privilege reviews is just because it says attorney client privilege doesn't mean that it is. Yeah. And, and, and also a little consciousness of guilt here retroactively changing email subjects to include the the <laughs> tag, the, dele- the designation is is what they the term they use of, of attorney client privilege. So uh, the timeline of this my understanding from the partial unsealing order that Beryl Howe signed is that back on August 28th uh the court said, "Hey Department of Justice, you have 90 days. I'm going to release this. You send me your redactions." And the 90 days was up, I believe, November, I think November 25th or something like that, uh, November 26th. And on the day before, the last day, I think, that that was feasible, the, the Department of Justice filed a motion, submitted a status report requesting... Can we can we please keep this under seal, you guys? There's people in here who have not been charged by the grand jury. And they did not suggest any redactions. They just said, we don't want to do it. And Judge Howell said, sorry, Charlie, uh, now you have until November 30th. Uh, By an order on November 25th, you have now until November 30th. I'm doing this. You need to give me the redactions. We'll redact the people's names. When you take people's names out of the mix, you are no longer revealing identities of individuals and conduct that has not been charged by the grand jury. So redact all that shit, send it back to me, and I'm releasing it. Because a lot of people were like, ooh, interesting that it was released the day after Flynn, or, you know, the week Flynn was pardoned. And I'm like, mm, I, you know, this was set up 90 days ago. Uh, and the DOJ twice, uh, I believe, from my understanding of <laughs> this very redacted document, said, please, can we not? And um, no, they said no. So getting so this is this is why it was released this week. Is that correct? That's why it's coming out right now. This isn't some. Uh, oh, uh, you know, <laughs> grand grand conspiracy. Look, in, in, a, in a universe in which grand conspiracies have been depressingly true. Um, no, you you have that. I, and and I, I can't stress this highly enough. You, you have that 100% correct. Um, and I will tell you, in, in trying to dig and figure out uh, about this story, I, I've talked to a handful of lawyers, um, and that, that, that's a better summary than, um, you know, a half dozen lawyers that I've talked to. Ah, so well, you are you. exactly dead on 100% correct in terms of the procedural history. So this document goes through... 
um, the the thing that was unsealed and redacted mm-hmm. is a discussion about releasing evidence to the grand jury, and uh, the, I guess there was a f- to the to the government to 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 DOJ's lawyers to the right? to the, the government to the prosecutors, yeah. right? The investigators, yeah. yes. And they are saying there was over fifty devices, iPads, iPhones, computers, uh, thumb drives external hard drives, mm. all sorts of things. So an office was raided, and uh, we don't know whose or what's, but an office was raided, all this stuff was gotten, and then there's a filter team at the Department of Justice going through all this shit to determine whether things are attorney-client privilege, and it looks like this memorandum is the decision that the Department of Justice and prosecutors and investigators made saying these are the things that are not subject to attorney-client privilege because of the third-party exception rule. I thought it was the crime-fraud exception, but it wasn't. Although Judge Beryl Howell, I think she goes in here and and, and says, it would be the crime-fraud exception, but we don't <laughs> even have to look at that. Is that correct? So uh, 99% correct on this one. Um, I, it, everything you said is right. Uh, I, I would just, I would add uh, two things. The, the first is, I think Judge Howell implies that this would also fall under the crime fraud exception. Um, but the uh, courts don't render advisory opinions. So it, it doesn't quite say this would be, it just says there's no need for us to address the many strong arguments that these would fall under the crime fraud exception because they're clearly vitiated by the, the third party exception. But it seems like the government argued uh, third party and they argued crime fraud exception. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And and you just give the judge the opportunity to sort of pick the argument that they think is is the strongest. Um, and it, it looks like, again, you know, we're trying to piece this together, but it, it looks like, you know, the third, the third party was sort of a, a, a slam dunk. And the reason is it appears as though there is a person um, – I, I told you before we started, my beans are on Roger Stone, mm. um, but it looks like there is a non-lawyer fixer. So do you think it's, you, you're saying it's it's not Roger Stone who was seeking the pardon or commutation, but he was the third party that the information was forwarded to? Or are you saying that Stone was the seeker of the pardon? No, I, I'm saying the, 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 the former, right? So I think whoever it was was seeking the pardon hooked up with Roger Stone and Roger Stone said, yeah, sure. Pfft, yeah, I'll me and Donnie go way back. I can facilitate this. So he's the third party that makes it non-attorney right. client privilege. That makes it non-attorney client privilege. Now look, Your guess. whoever that is. Yeah, yeah. And again, that is total beans, right? <laughs> like that is, if I'm right, it will be amazing, um, but but you know there, there, there's there's seven billion other people it could be right. Um, so, uh, but we do know right in piecing together that that that's why this fell under uh, the the third party exception because there was this intermediary, which makes this a different case from just you know it's blameless. And again, it could still be blameless on the part of the White House. Okay, Um, but this is not a case of we only have evidence relating to like, you know, one guy trying to bribe his way into the White House. This is somebody who had reason to believe that a third party would facilitate the ability to transfer money in exchange for pardons. And um, that was sufficient that. The DOJ opened up, right, impaneled a grand jury uh, and opened up an investigation and filed a motion 
uh, to review all these documents, which by the way, right, those documents have now been reviewed, right? This order was entered in August. Their taint team took a look at it uh, in August. Uh, and um, we don't know this, but again, as somebody who's been involved in that kind of document production, that the government's had these documents since early October at the latest, right? So we we don't know. I do know that this is ECF document number seven on the docket. Um, so docket begins, you know, with one with a with a complaint or indictment, uh, and and seven is super early in the docket. Um, so we don't know how, how further this, how much farther this case has progressed. Um, we just, we just don't know any of it. Um, and, and I would emphasize, you said that the government, uh, and, and you are exactly correct. The government's argument was to redact the names of unindicted individuals, um, which is a valid reason. Um, fully 10 pages of this 18 page document are redacted, including the entire background yeah, section. The whole right? background, right. So th this is a heavy, heavy hand uh, on the redactions, um, which, uh, you know. <laughs> she asked for it. Uh, it and so that's what, yeah. the, that's what the DOJ turned in. So uh, I have a couple more questions. I have to take a quick break. Will you stick around with me? Hmm. Of course. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Daily Beans, and this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Helix Sleep. You've heard me talk about this mattress. It is the best thing in the world. You've heard uh, Jordan talk about hers, how much she loves it, Joelle and Amanda, myself. It is seriously the best night's sleep I've ever gotten. And you know the past four years I've had trouble sleeping. I was laying awake, tossing and turning, and I thought it was because of the news. I thought it was because of the anxiety, the gaslighting. Turns out I also had a garbage mattress. So that's where Helix Sleep came in, and I, I didn't have to anymore. They understand that you're unique, and they customize your mattress to fit you in the way you sleep the best. Helix Sleep created a sleep quiz online, takes two minutes to complete, and they use the answers to match your body type and preferences, the way you sleep, to the perfect mattress for you. And if you, so, you know, I like a, I like a medium for a mattress, but if you like soft or firm, or if you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, or you sleep hot or you need to be warm, with Helix, there is a mattress that matches everyone's unique taste. Like I said, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like the medium firm mattress and I sleep on my side, so it's perfect for me. But you don't have to take my word for it. You also don't have to take Joelle. Amanda and Jordan's word for it. Helix was actually awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2019 and now again in 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty and you try it out for 100 sleeps risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. I it's just so good. And Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders right now for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash dailybeans for up to $200 off. All right, everybody, welcome back. We're talking uh, with Andrew Torres, co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast and lawyer, about these uh, documents that were unsealed by Judge Beryl Howell in the D.C. District Court. I believe she's the chief judge of that district court. Uh, and I had a couple of, of, of specific questions here for you about the identities and all, you know, all the speculation that we have, because you, you'd mentioned Stone is the third party spoiler is what I'm going to call him, uh, <laughs> because he spoils attorney client privilege in this case, if it is in fact him. And if I look at page, the top of page two, because this is where she goes over the two different things, email communications have been identified, uh, for, uh, of additional 
in indicating additional criminal activity in two cases, namely, and she says, secret lobbying scheme in which blank and blank acted as lobbyists to senior White House officials. And it would appear that that second redacted name could be Stone. And the first name, or the intermediary, the third party spoiler, and the first name is probably another lawyer. Uh, or it could be the the uh, the person who wants the 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 pardon, but it, I don't think so because it's a little bit longer than the other than the name of the person who is going to pay the money and get the pardon. So I think it's somebody in Stone, a lawyer in Stone, acted as lobbyist to senior White House officials, probably guessing. Uh, with registration requirement of the Lobbying Disclosure Act, LDA. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is a related bribery conspiracy scheme, a related bribery. (laughs) So we have two people lobbying. That's one crime or potential crime. And then we have two people bribing uh, in which blank, and this seems to be the person who wants the pardon, blank would offer a substantial political contribution in exchange for presidential pardon or reprieve of sentence, commutation of sentence for that same individual. For, for themselves. Oh, oh, so now I read that differently, right? I, I read that as in which, because it's within it's it's within quotes, and both halves are 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 blocked out, both appear to be roughly the same length. But but think about it, right? Let's let's insert um your name, right? You I don't think you would write the sentence this way, right? A related bribery conspiracy scheme in which, quote, AG would offer a substantial political contribution in exchange for a presidential pardon or reprieve of sentence for AG. Right. It, right? They're like two that, different names, you're saying. It's two different names. Yeah. They're the same length, but I think it's two different names. And I think that the fact that it's described as a related bribery conspiracy means, right, that the, that the third party intermediary was the person who would was the bag man, right? The person who would carry the bag of money to the Trump White House in exchange for the pardon for this other person. Yeah, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like the the third party spoiler there would fit in that box. The box looks different. <laughs> it's tough. It's know? tough. We're doing this, you know, font and uh, yeah, yeah it, it, it's 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 a tough one. Yeah, or the first instance could be the first instance could be in all caps uh, yep. because they do that yep. a lot in filings where the first time you mention a name, it's in all caps. And then from then on out, it's just regular. It's you don't know. Although we did have a, a, a listener ask, could it say, IND1 under those redaction bars, such as an individual one. And my response was likely not because you would put individual one in there. That's not, you wouldn't need to redact the words individual one. Exactly right. Right. That, that, that wouldn't, that would have been unredacted. And since, so, I mean, maybe it's worth kind of talking about the, the, the tension here is the tension between two principles, right? The first is that Generally speaking, court proceedings are open and available to the public for you and I to look at, to investigate, because, you know, we need to know this stuff in order to make decisions in a democratic society against the idea that grand jury proceedings, proceedings that are still in effect with potentially unindicted individuals, are typically kept secret so as not to prejudice those hearings. Right. Yep. Um, so, you know, you've got to try and strike the balance. I guess I'm not surprised that uh, that Judge Beryl Howell has sort of fallen into, um, you know, on the side of, uh, you know, er- erring on the side of protecting uh, potentially unindicted criminal defendants. Um, and look, like that's a laudable aim 
in the abstract, right? Like, I don't need us to, you know, further weaken the protections that criminal defendants have in society uh, just because we have a criminal presidential administration that's, you know, so, uh, so I get it. Um, but it is frustrating trying to <laughs> trying to piece this stuff together under under redaction. Now, here's something else that that I've I've listed as a, a clue. It appears that <laughs> uh, the person um, who needs the pardon had already, by the time this filing was made, if you look at page what page are we on? Fifteen. This is after the ten pages of background. This is in the discussion section. Uh, it says um, communicated directly with blanks blank defense counsel in the months leading up to <laughs> blanks surrender to the Bureau of Prisons for to Bureau of Prisons custody. So it appears that whoever this person who's looking for a pardon or a commutation is by the time this filing was made in August had already reported and surrendered to the Bureau of Prisons to serve their sentence. Is that Am I out there on that? Or could this be one? Could this be Stone? Could this be one of the lawyers or the third party, <laughs> you know, who's not necessarily seeking a pardon or commutation yet, but, uh, you know, is I, I'm, I'm a little confused by that. No, I'm very confused by that as well. Um, it, it narrows down the potential identity of the person seeking to bribe for the pardon, right? Um, and you know the, the it's why I think Stone is the spoiler. Um, I I don't think he's the person seeking the pardon for himself because he right, like he didn't need to go through this rigmarole, right? Um, he had already very publicly, uh, you know, said uh, I'm never going to flip on Trump, and uh, and Trump had said, you know, well, Roger Stone's being treated very unfair. Um, so yeah, um, but but no, like that it is. Uh, yet another good eagle eye spotting that th this does tell us at what point in the proceedings this scheme arose. Yeah. And and here's another legal question for you, because we had talked about this a little bit earlier. There's a, a point in here, again, after the background, that says that it, it, it actually it might be before, but the apparently the vehicle for which the the money would the intermediary through which the money would travel to make this happen is listed in these emails. First of all, how fucking dumb do you have to be to put in <laughs> writing that you want to give money for a pardon and here's how we're going to do it? That's, you know, because you and I have talked all this time about how things in the mob are done with a wink and a nudge. Well, here's somebody spelling out the bribery scheme in an email, in emails, uh, going back retroactively and saying attorney-client privilege, and and then it you know the the court deciding that that's not the case. So why is it important that not only did they offer a a, a significant campaign contribution to obviously Trump because he's the only one who can pardon people uh, in exchange for this pardon, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, also president individual one who was president <laughs> of the United States, but also <laughs> list the the financial and fiscal intermediaries by which you would make this transfer of money happen. Presumably, I'm guessing through a shell company to a super PAC or something. What? Why do you think it's important that that information is here? Does it make it, does it give this, does it give more gravitas, more veracity to the, to the crime? So outstanding question. You're exactly right. This is footnote seven on page 15. And it says, the emails submitted as exhibits by the government do not show any direct payment 
2x, that would be Trump, by y or z, and extend and, and instead indicate that x expected y to assist in obtaining clemency for z due to z's past substantial campaign contributions, long block of redacted text, and block of redacted text, uh, anticipating, and which has got to be Trump's, anticipated future substantial political contributions, right? Um, so y- y- you are exactly correct that, that that's what the documents say. And the reason that that's important is because all of these crimes, right, bribery and any campaign violation crimes are intent crimes, right? They would say whosoever corruptly uh, interferes with or solicits, right? That we talked about this on Monday when, when we were speculating on this exact scenario. Um, but it's, <laughs> but it's, you know, whosoever corruptly solicits uh, the the uh, effort to infer to um, interfere with uh, or influence any official government act, right? In exchange for anything of value. Uh, is guilty of bribery. Well, it's that that what makes it an intent crime is that corrupt part. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the more evidence you have of, you know, here's exactly the shell company we're going to use in order to hide the money that we're paying you, the easier it is to support an inference of corrupt intent. And remember, like when we say an inference of corrupt intent, what we mean is, does a jury think that this is evidence of corrupt intent or do they think it's perfectly fine right so you know it, it is ultimately up to like what does a reasonable human being looking at somebody creating seven layers of shell companies and then you know recap reclassifying their email what would what would an average person think you're doing with that a mm, yeah, just happened to you know this is how i transact business all the time or b I'm trying to hide something because I know that what I'm doing is wrong. So, ah, And um, something else I've noticed in these, when you get a person A, B, and C all sorted out, is that it appears, <laughs> it appears the bag man's name, when used in possessive form, mm. takes an apostrophe S. And it appears the pardonee's name, the person who would get the pardon, is an S or Z apostrophe. There's a dangling apostrophe. And Ooh. now I've I've noticed that, <laughs> good sleuthing. Thank you. And I've also noted that this isn't a Sidney Powell filing, so I didn't take that as a grammatical error. Uh, I, <laughs> I and it's and it's repeated in context properly every single time. There's multiple instances of an apo- a dangling apostrophe after the redaction box. So, from what we can gather. It's if this is stone, if the bagman is stone, it would end in an apostrophe S, and that fits all of the redactions. Mm-hmm. And the bagman is stone, then the pardonee, the person who is seeking the pardon, is a short name that ends in S that is a friend of Roger Stone. So <laughs> those are the, and it's a man because the the he redactions yes. they actually redacted he, but they've actually left his. Uh, un- unredacted in some parts. So we know it is someone who uses pronouns he and him. Uh, those are the clues that I, and apparently the person had already reported to the Bureau of Prisons. Unless, uh, of course, one of the other players, which we I cannot tell by the context who it was that went to jail, whether it was the person who wants the pardon or the person who uh, was the bag man or the person who was one of the lawyers. In Trump world, you never know. It could be really anybody. 
Uh, yeah, no. And so I, I'm I'm trying to rack my brain to think of who's in prison whose name ends in S or Z um, or Z uh, as a as a as a Torres with a Z. I, I should have uh, uh, accounted for that possibility. Although I typically do Z apostrophe S when I'm when I'm. Uh, uh, using the possessive with respect to myself. Yeah, and I haven't done the research on f- on past barrel hell uh, <laughs> writings with people whose name possessive of people whose names ends in Z. Somebody brought up somebody named Cruz C R U Z, who is a brother of another guy who is a huge donor who uh, was convicted. I don't know if he went to jail, but again, that could not might not be the person that went to jail. Um, because, you know, I mean, Roger Stone was supposed to surrender to the Bureau of Prisons on, yeah. uh, in July. Uh, and so who knows, but, um, one last question here about the difference between state and, uh, federal crimes. Let's say Trump pardons himself because this, you know, if Trump were involved in this, then he could be charged with bribery. Uh, and who knows what yes. else? Uh, the- and, and 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 can I can I just 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 jump in? You you are exactly right. I want to make sure your listeners understand that uh, because you understand that it is also bribery to be the bribee, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like to to corruptly receive anything of value. Right so, now, if now we don't know this, they could have gotten these hmm. emails, and Trump could have said, "No, I'm not that kind of man," and reported it directly to the Department of Justice. I absolutely, and maybe maybe <laughs> that happened. But you know, does Trump seem like the kind of guy who would sell pardons? Seems like it to me, especially if he's a billion dollars in debt. But again, speculative, and Trump apparently isn't a target or subject of this investigation, at least according to the Department of Justice. Which, if you want to take that for what it's worth. Um, but if Trump pardons himself, uh, and that I would assume that that would stand, even though it's totally illegal and stupid, uh, there are state bribery charges. But how does D.C. work as far as state crimes go? I'm assuming they have they have a district attorney, right? Racine, is that who it is? Yes. And so uh, District of Columbia has its own um, what you would call state court and state criminal system. So, yes, the fact that it is the federal District of Columbia does not make everything that occurs within the District of Columbia a federal crime. So, okay. yeah. Now, could could the, the prosecutors here in the Department of Justice work with, if, like if, for example, if the pardon happens, could they hand all this information over to the DA and, and say, you take it? One hundred percent. So this is something you and I, when we've talked about pardons, I've I've tried to put error bars on it. Right. So when I say I am reasonably confident that Donald Trump can pardon himself, you know, I've said, "Mm, what's that? Eighty to 90 percent. Right. Because this is mostly uncharted territory with respect to the scenario you just asked. I am 100 percent confident because it's happened in the past uh, that a that the federal prosecutors can turn over their evidence and their files to state prosecutors because the pardon does not the pardon uh, gets rid of the consequences of the criminal act whether indicted or not uh, but it does not undo right all the circumstances that led to it so mm-hmm. there is no special privilege of uh, you know there, there's not a fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine 
doctrine or something like that, where, you know, you would be able to exclude that evidence right. or, or otherwise argue that it was tainted. So, yeah. And, and we have, the, I can give you a very good example when the Southern District of New York was in, investigating Cohen and individual one for the catch and kill hush money payment. That was all handed off to the Manhattan District Attorney, Cy Vance, when, when it was forced closed. Uh, in the Southern District by a judge who basically told the DOJ to shit or get off the pot. And the DOJ says, we'll get off the pot. Um, I, I don't know the circumstances surrounding that, but that went over to the Manhattan District Attorney. Um, so, yeah. OK, so we do have that possibility. Um, and those are unpardonable crimes. Pardons don't cover those. You need to, Like you said, there's no double jeopardy or weirdness uh, with that. And D.C. has a state crime situation. They have yep. a... They have they have that as well. So that's very, very, very interesting. Otherwise, um, murder would be legal in the District of Columbia. Right. Is well, the way to think about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. So that's sort of where we're at right now. I, I don't really have any other uh, questions about this uh, particular document. It seems to be pretty straightforward. The timing we've explained. We've explained the, the players. Um, possible clues to who it is. I'm really interested in, in Stone being the bag man. That just sounds like right up his alley. Uh, and, you know, where it might have been Cohen in the past. Um, it's It seems it, like that, it, that fits. I, I will tell you, my friend Devin Stone thinks that it's Elliot Broidy, right? Which would also fit. So, as the bag man or the pardon As the bag man. As, as the bag man, not the pardon me. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard that thought too. So, um, because he took $75 million to not. Yeah, he's yeah, he's an interesting fella. Yeah. So we we don't know, but I, I guess I Well because I do Stone want... doesn't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> and Broidy does. Yeah. That's that's very, very true. Um so I it, I, I always come in and sort of throw a dark cloud over everything. I, I, I wanna say like the really positive thing about this, right? Which, you know, seems like weird to be looking for the silver lining in there's an ongoing bribery for pardon scandal involving, you know, involving the White House. Um, and that is this investigation went forward, right? This was not something Bill Barr killed. This goes to show you, right? Yeah, were they investigating without telling Bill Barr? You know, I, I think so. Um, I can't tell you why I think so, uh, because that would compromise the identity of some of my sources. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I think that's the case. And, you know, and it goes to show you that like, you can try and dismantle all of the institutions, but Trump hasn't done that. It's going to, you know, it's going to be a long slog to rebuild this stuff, but, um, they're not, you know, we're not in a hundred percent Trump world yet. So no, that's... and it and it occurs to me too. You know, Stone might not have any money, but those three lines of redaction bars about intermediary vehicles for transferring the money could include a money source as well. So yep. you know, you never you never know. But that doesn't come up anywhere else in the thing. But it might be explained in that ten pages of redacted background information that we don't have. That you know, while Stone doesn't have any money, there is a long bit of redaction there for how the money gets to where it needs to go, and perhaps a source of that money is listed in that redaction bar too. So it doesn't, you the person, I think the bag man doesn't necessarily have to be a rich guy. Yeah. I, I, I think that's right. And I, you know, it, it, the, the first page, right. Lists who, whose files they're reviewing. Right. And it says between, right. And there's a medium size 
There are two medium-sized redaction blocks, one long redaction block, and one ridiculously long. (laughs) (laughs) long redaction block and like i again my buddy Devin, we were trying to like plug in the names of the longest lawyers we knew and like we kept coming up short right (laughs) um because it's like 30 characters long for the middle name so you know that's another another bit to crowdsource is um you know the the (laughs) lawyer or or felon with a a 30 character name (laughs) Um, yeah, and then who at the White House received it? Was it Pat yeah. Cipollone? Was it? Uh, he's got so many friggin' lawyers. Who the hell knows? Um, but anyway, it's been wonderful talking. I know we will keep following this. Um, everybody, you have to check out the Opening Arguments podcast. It's brilliant if you haven't already. Something tells me you have. But anyway, Andrew, thank you so much for for taking the time to go through this document with me today. It's just it's uh, it's just fascinating. Even if this is somebody we've never heard of, and even if the president didn't accept the bribe, this is huge that we have a, somebody in the White House who people think that they can just email uh, offers of money to for clemency. It's absolutely astounding. Yeah. I, and, and we didn't even have time to get through the Office of Pardon Attorney that Trump is totally run roughshod over. Yeah, this is exactly what you're not supposed to do with pardons and commutations. And is it any surprise that, you know, that's where we are? All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll have the good news for you. Stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And this segment of the podcast is brought to you by American Giant. Did you know in the 60s, back in the mid-century modern times, 95% of all clothing was made in the United States, but today only 3% is made in the United States. And, you know, you stop and wonder why why we make our stuff overseas. Because, because it's cheaper, but it also doesn't last as long. And I think right now is the perfect time to be buying clothes that are made here and are made to last. And that's why I want to tell you about American Giant. That's where they make things better by making better things. American Giant has built a 100% USA-based supply chain with strong relationships to factories, workers, and communities at every step of the way. And it's it's not the cheapest, but it makes for a better sweatshirt, and it's better for people and the planet. They make clothes that are durable, not disposable. They're reclaiming the American tradition of making high-quality clothes that last, clothes that are meant to be used more so you need less, and they're made to be worn more and kept longer so they don't end up in landfills. I recently got the American Giant Fleece Trucker Jacket. It's stylish and warm, snuggly. It keeps it's so good. It's cozy and super comfortable. And it was manufactured here in the United States, supporting local communities through the entire supply chain. So check out American Giant. Get the best, most high-quality clothes on the market and get 15% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code DAILYBEANS at American-Giant.com. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Ah, it's the best part. I don't know if we can top. I mean, our listeners' good news stories are incredible and hilarious, but I don't know if anybody can top the the Hungarian orgy. You said top. You you (laughs) said top Hungarian orgy. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that legislator was a bottom. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. We need a 17th for squash. That's so good. Uh, all right, I'm going to kick this off. We have a we have a story here from Lisa, pronouns she and her. Hi, ladies. I've been a big fan for about two years now. It's been cathartic to listen to you rage about the injustices in this administration and also break down the legal mumbo jumbo, legal mumbo jumbo in a way that is interesting and digestible. 
You have brought clarity to a murky time. I also love that you love your animals and their sidekicks to your lives. You can tell they are family, and that is the only way it should be. Here's a picture of one that helps keep me sane. Her name is Pepper, and she is 18 and still rocking it. She is a love and the best cat. Thank you for doing what you do. And AG, I think you would make a great lawyer. Also, I have to include something that's gotten me through this past year for spontaneous feel-goods. The hashtag tiny trumps. I leave them on random things, especially in places I know people won't appreciate them, and even in some places that will bring a smile. Have a great day, and thank you for all you do. Look at that beautiful teenager. (gasps) 18. She's lovely. She really is. Oh, she's got a sweet face. She looks like a little Persian, like like a silver foxy Persian. Oh, she's adorable. Oh, and here's the tiny trumps. Hashtag tiny trumps. And there's a cat hair on it. Look at that. Do you see it? Oh, my God. That's great. I always, uh, whenever I see older cats, I always think of a story. A couple friends of mine, a lesbian couple. Shocking, I know. Um, But they, when they got together, uh, one of them had a cat that was 14. And it was an issue because the other one was allergic. And she's like, but I love you. And, you know, she was like, listen, the cat probably doesn't have much longer. Just stick, stick with me through this. And she did. And the cat lived to be 24 years old. <laughs> so it turned him oh, like 10 years. This poor girl had to be allergic to the cat. But at that point, she was like, look, I'm, I agree to this. So yeah, my best friend who's dominatrix, her cat, uh, Peyote, was 24 when she died. Just old AF, right? I'm so sorry. I was clearing my throat. Did you say your friend who's a dominatrix? Yes. Yes, I that, you said that friend. so nonchalantly. Not her name. Actually, my friend who's a dominatrix has a cat. <laughs> I think you just wanted to tell the listeners you have friends that are dominatrixes. Dominatri? Dominatrices. The listeners know about my about my best friend. That it's like one of the things. Like throughout this, like the last few years, I've been very supportive of sex work and very supportive of sex workers and anti fasta sesta and and so. They all know. Now you now you know. I love um, it. Check out hashtag tiny trumps and you can see what we're talking about. There's these there little cardboard go. trumps. You just leave them places. All right. Okay, we got more we got more good news. This is coming from Rebecca pronoun she and her. My first scientific study was published in a real academic journal. Congratulations, Rebecca. I'm an ecologist, uh, and I spent my last year of undergrad on a research team analyzing the social environmental risk of on-site wastewater treatment systems in our country. Basically, finding which septic systems are most likely to fail and who is that likely to impact. Three guesses who has it worst. I don't think we even need three, my dear. And (laughs) our work was just published into the journal... Uh, environmental science and technology. That's awesome. Shout out to my amazing PI advising professor and co-researchers for being so supportive and having me as part of their team. It's such a surreal, cool feeling to be published, to be a published scientist. Mm. Cat tax. This is Ali, a bonus pup tax who's Paco, uh, happily provided below. Um, Ollie is absolute God. I'm becoming a cat person. This is really annoying. <laughs> look at the and look at the Ollie with the. There's well, he's like, like, don't touch my beer. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, oh and look at the dog. Baby. Oh, it's a tiny little dog Paco. with the Malem Paco. Paco. So cute. That's wonderful. Thank you. Congratulations on being published. Uh, next up from Lita, pronoun she and her. After listening to the 12-2 podcast, I have to thank Anonymous for asking the pronoun question. I'm the typical middle-aged, upper-middle-class, white suburban woman with a degree 
uh, identifying as female, a member of the Democratic Party, and a strong supporter of the LBGTQ plus community and civil rights. That being said, I don't know shit. I noticed the pronouns on Twitter, but don't follow all the trends. Therefore, I was unsure of the specific meaning or that of that, but uh, by doing that on my own profile, I didn't know I'd be showing support. I've included a few pics of my fat cat squeezed into a little box. Oh my she God. is Princess Cat Nadia. Look at oh. that. That box really is tiny. <laughs> Fat oh my god the second picture you can't even box oh no <laughs> and we will share these pictures with you on the newsletter for patrons just so you know um i love the next one too because this is also an addition this one's from brianna a pronoun she <gasps> and her hey beans crew a quick addition to your pronoun discussion cisgender people using their pronouns also normalizes trans folk letting us know their pronouns so anyone can easily and comfortably use the right pronouns in every conversation we are privileged to have with, with each other very well said thank that's you that's well having, put very and i mean it's so concise and it makes sense i actually i post a lot for my trans the, the trans community and it's amazing i've gotten some direct messages that are like i didn't know you were trans or asking if i'm trans and it's just it's such a it's such an unfortunate question because you should not be surprised if cis identifying people are posting support for our trans community and all I'll say is this, if you are only fighting for people that look and sound like you do, you're doing it wrong. Mm, yep. That's it. Speak up and stand up for everyone else. That's it. Anyway, she uh, goes on to say, thanks for having such a compassionate conversation about pronouns for all of your listeners to hear. Bonus photo, including my happy pod chickens and yogurt beaks. Oh, oh they're goodness. eating yogurt. That's why I, at the beginning I went, <gasps> is because I scrolled down and I saw the picture of chickens. I love chickens. How very, how very dare you. I love chickens. I, uh, our web designer, my very good friend, 25 years, used to call me the chicken whisperer because we would go to the, to the county fair uh, and go to the chicken tent. They're, they have a chicken contest, like beauty pageants for chickens. Who fucking knew? And I'd go in there and it'd be <laughs> quiet. And then I'd walk up to just, I'd, I'd pick my chicken. I'd be like, I'm going to talk to that chicken. I'd go up to the chicken. I'd start talking to the chicken. Like real quiet. And all, and then, and then all of a sudden that chicken would start. And then the whole, like a, like a wave, <laughs> the whole tent. And then I would run. I would ghost. I was a phantom. You couldn't fucking find me. That's amazing. Um, You're a little troublemaker. You're stirring up shit. I am stirring up chicken shit. I love it. Next up from Anonymous. No pronouns given. I have a confession. I don't like weddings. You are not alone, first of all. Okay. I'm a total Grinch about Christmas, but I do love making things. I'm spending the week making my very dear friend's wedding dress, and she's coming over tonight to watch the queer indie Christmas movie I worked on, the Jinx and Della holiday special. She was over recently for a fitting, and there was some awkward sidestepping about who was going to be there on Sunday. Our mutual friend is officiating, and her college roommate and her husband will be the witnesses. After an awkward moment, she blurted out, "'Try to do this without spaces in one breath.'" We're trying to keep it small and COVID safe, and we haven't even told our parents, and I like I was their maid of honor. I'm sorry you don't want to come. I know you don't like weddings, but if you want to, you can come. (laughs) (laughs) I poured another glass of wine and let her know that not going to the wedding and making the dress was actually ideal. I do have to go to the post-COVID ceremony, and I'll be one of six people that know the whole thing is a sham to appease in-laws and an excuse to get wasted with our nearest and dearest. There (laughs) you go. 
I, we're trying to keep it small and COVID safe and we haven't even told our parents and like I was the their maid of honor and I'm sorry you, do you want to come I know you don't like weddings but if you want to come <laughs> hilarious that is a good way to be like yeah I'm good thanks I'm mm. good all set that's it. Uh, this next one's a short one. This is uh, from Anonymous, pronouns she and her. Not sure if this would be good news or a confession that quarantine has caused my imagination to run wild, but wouldn't it be the perfect ending if Trump pardon indictment was for, wait for it, the Tiger King? This headline was The Daily Beast Got Me. And so there's a link to that headline for y'all. Mm, yeah. Rep, uh, reps for Joe Exotic dropped $10,000 at Trump's hotel in hopes of getting a pardon. What is Joe? Well, I guess wonder what Joe Exotic's real name is. Let's see if it ends in S. <laughs> oh my because god, I could it... totally see this happening. I know, right? All right, let me move that. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's Joe Schreibvogel. That's not going to fit under the redaction bar. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's not going to fit. Nope. But I can see why he calls himself Joe Exotic. <laughs> <laughs> Schreibvogel. Listen, I'm not making fun of those last names. My mom's maiden name was Schlamowitz. So if I I would have gotten That's married when I was eight, I would have been good like, one. let's just give me someone else's last name. Schlamowitz. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, finally, from Zach, pronouns he and him. I spent most of 2020 either working a job I hate or furloughed from a job I hate. As much as I was grateful to be in the pandemic-proof line of work while also dealing with a president that sucks. At the beginning of November, I was offered a new job that values my work and lets me work from home, which means I get to spend all day with my little whiskered sunshine, Toki, whom I adopted at six weeks old and is now a big, strong eight-month-old. That was the day that Joe Biden became president-elect. I will say there's nothing quite like the dual suspense of a promising prospective new employer and a promising prospective new president at the same time. My new work environment is very forward-thinking, and while we politely avoid politics, the office manager showed me her Halloween costume as RBG which gave me a permission structure to be a little more open about how I feel. Later that day, she apologized that the training is so boring. Without hesitation, I said, yeah, it's a little boring. But boring is nice. It's a nice change after years of chaos. And she nodded in agreement. Nice. And here's Toki, the little baby. He's a long teen right So now. beautiful. He's a little long teen right now, and he looks like a toad. He looks like he... He's get he gets in trouble and he's guilty. What a toad! That's what I call cats who are, who are guilty. They're toads, <laughs> and and he's a long teen because the the way a cat works is they start as a potat, then they become a long teen, and then they grow into either a long an, a, a long boy, or which is a slonk, or they grow into a large potat, which is a chonk. So that's the evolution of cats, and you are in the long teen stage right now i don't understand any of what you just said <laughs> <laughs> uh the perils of belonging to the facebook group this cat is chonky you learn all the you learn all the oh gosh i love it i should i need to pay more attention i'm still catching up on the inside jokes i'm still a baby <laughs> that's okay you'll get there I'll we'll get all there. get there together we'll get there together what great, what great uh, input we've got this week, and I'm especially glad that uh, we got to talk about pronouns. And I'm glad Me somebody too. asked. I'm glad somebody asked. That's Me so too. great. Uh, anything else before we get out of here? No, I'm good. It was good spending an hour with you. It was great to talk to you too. I got to go watch now. I got to go see what's going on with Vonky. Uh, and Tom Barrick. I got I got to text Jordan. Tom Barrick has been her quarterback for the fantasy indictment league since the beginning. She Ooh. is going to yeah, she's going to she's going to lose her shit. 
All right. Until tomorrow, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>